Welcome to the Nate Twan Podcast. My name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess O'Brien and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion of the Yang-style Tai Chi with another one of Yang Cheng Fu's students, uh, Chen Wei Ming. Uh, Chen Wei Ming is a prolific author in Tai Chi, so we go into his background uh, look at a couple of his uh, different books and primarily take from his uh, book Tai Chi Da Wen, Tai Chi Questions and Answers, um, and look at some of the things that come up in there, including using force. Um, in the Patreon extended episode, we go into <clears throat> a lot more about uh, kicking and they also in terms of uh, practicing just the form or just push hands or a combination of the two. Uh, then we return to the Tai Chi classics. It's a short one uh, that just has to do with the transmission of Tai Chi from teacher to student. So we take a look at that. Uh, and then this week's Patreon, we continue our discussion of uh, internal alchemy and Taoist meditation from Wang Mu's book. Uh, check out the Patreon for the extended episode as well as a bonus episode for each episode that comes out. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves and be well. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about Yang Style Tai Chi and the life and times of the famous Tai Chi practitioner Chen Wei Ming. So let's look at his book as translated on uh, Brennan Translation, The Art of Tai Chi Boxing by Chen Wei Ming. He says, I heard about Taiji boxing of the Wudong school when I was young, but I had not yet met anyone who knew the stuff. In 1915, I traveled to Hubei and got to meet Sun Ludong, and I learned Xing Yi and Bagua from him. I heard my colleagues say that Mr. Yang of Guangping inherited Tai Chi, and so in the autumn of 1917, I visited Yang Luchan's grandson, Cheng Fu, meeting him informally, and I asked him, people say the Yang family Tai Chi is the best, but that you don't lightly teach it to people. Is that the case? Yang Chengfu smiled and said, it's not that I don't teach it to people. I teach it to people who want it. My grandfather received it from the Chen family of Hunan, and now it's about to be returned to a Chen. If you want it, I will not keep it from you. So that's nice. He recognized that Chen Wei Ming is also a Chen. Right. <laughs> Way back, somehow, related. Yep. Part of Chen Wei Ming's work is the uh, Tai Chi Chuan Da Wen, the questions and answers on Tai Chi Chuan that he wrote, translated by Benjamin Lowe and Robert W. Smith. Chen Wei Ming writes an introduction that, that gives us some information. So he says, I studied Tai Chi Chuan for eight years with Yang Cheng Fu. Because I was not overly bright, whenever I had doubts, I asked him many questions, which he answered and in great detail. Once during this period, he visited the South, and I studied under Yang Xiaohu for three months and was able to learn something from him. In 1925, I came to Shanghai and founded the Qizhou Tai Chi Chuan School. When I began teaching, few even knew the name. But within four years, Tai Chi had become very popular. Those who wanted to study the martial arts studied Tai Chi. And those who wanted to teach the martial arts taught Tai Chi. Some say that I was the first person to bring Tai Chi to the South. Perhaps, but I cannot say for sure. Tai Chi strengthens our people and country. But if it becomes a fad, divorced from the original spirit, or spreads everywhere forgetting its principles, or if it is mixed with other things, thus losing an important part of its essence, then it becomes only a matter for concern. So I've taken what I learned from Professor Yang and put into a book for those interested in Tai Chi. He talks about Yang Cheng Fu a little bit. And he says, look, this book is Yang Cheng Fu's statements to me. You know, I'm 
these are these are questions people gave me, but they're really the questions that I asked Yang Cheng Fu, and he told me the answers, so I wrote it down here as Q&A. So the very first issue he brings up, he says, I heard Tai Chi once was practiced as single postures, but I don't know, I don't know when it was connected into a series. I think it was probably the author of the Tai Chi Chen Lun, who listed the postures sequentially by name, may have originated this. He deserves praise for this, for if he had not done so, Tai Chi probably would have disappeared. So that's interesting. He's so he's there's the idea of Tai Chi as the 13 postures, which implies them being somewhat static in nature. But then there's the Tai Chi form is done in this flowing way. And so he theorizes it's uh Wang Tsongyue, who the salt shop author who wrote the Tai Chi Chen Lun. So maybe he's the one who linked all the postures together. What I've heard one theory is that it went from static postures to 13 lines essentially 13 techniques right so the that each one of the original 13 postures was a like a shingy line you know that maybe not done in a straight line but but that you had a repetitive technique right and and that you would do those and then at you some single point, whip after single whip after right, single right, right. whip. The way you do, like the so there's a couple of them that kept they kept in the form, like brush knee, repulse monkey, uh, fair ladies. These ones where you do the same move in a straight line over and over. And I think that's what originally the thirteen was. And then when it went from that to a what we now know as tai chi, which is this longer string of 108 movements. It was yeah. that was putting in all the fighting applications. Makes sense. And then also he says it probably would have disappeared if he hadn't strung them together like that, which is probably true. It gives Tai Chi that unique long form that just serves as this sort of ground, you know, serves as this bedrock for the art. It's certainly part of its popularity. I mean, is it it it's not just, you know some guy going rah, 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 over right over. it's not just a bunch of random like yeah it is just there's something great about that whole complete form that gives you a feeling of a common it just gives you a place to train everything you want to work on well that's part of the long you know long fist the river long winding river thing right yeah that, <clears throat> you know she has that right it embodies it and thing. it brings that to life by following that fluid flow it's not just a concept. It's not like be like water. It's like you physically are acting out this very long flowing process that useful. All right. So here's the next question. It says, in Beijing, those who practice Tai Chi learn from the Yang family. Why are there differences between their forms? <laughs> that's a that's a classic thing to ask your teacher. Why does yours look different from that other guy? All right. <laughs> like, God damn it. So Yang Cheng Fu answers and says, the form made, well, it's Chen Wei Ming speaking, but he's giving Yang's answer. So he says, the form may differ a little, but the principles are the same. I guess there's two reasons. Formerly, teacher-student relationship was very strict. The student didn't dare ask questions, and the teachers often didn't demonstrate. So the precise posture was hard to get. Plus, even if one got the right posture, the transmission of it over time brought changes because of the character of each practitioner was different. Therefore, if the teaching wasn't precise or if the student wasn't assiduous, then he didn't achieve the true thing. So the next question, how can one judge which form is correct? So he says, we have to look at Wang Tsongye's classics. So yeah, so there's 
that's always the answer in Tai Chi. It's like, oh, everyone's doing it differently. How do we judge which Tai Chi form is the correct one? Well, he's saying you know it's it's about the principles, right? So if you if you're yeah. conforming to those principles, you're doing good Tai Chi. If you're not doing those principles, then you're not. Then it doesn't right. really matter that much. You know, what the outside form looks like, you know, whether the the quote unquote style, if you will. So he says that he's like, you know, all the principles are the important part. If your head's not suspended from above and you lean to one side, or if your chest extends out and you stand straight up, or if your upper torso is heavy and your lower torso is light, if you turn too quickly, if you're moving up and down, your shoulders wiggle, he just lists all the stuff. But he says, but if your whole body's upright and comfortable. Your form will be good, even if you don't achieve perfection. So then he gives advice on leg positioning. Um, so, you know, experiment with narrowness and length. Um, so here's an interesting question that comes next. I've been told that to improve, it is not necessary to practice the form a great deal, but only to practice push hands. Is this true? That's an interesting one. What if you just went only push hands? Mm -hmm. I would probably actually that might work pretty good. I mean, if you had a well, good you teacher, don't get, you won't you won't get the the health and the mind part of it. I don't think you can get that without the form. I mean, be that long form. Yeah. You can learn. You could learn how to push somebody fairly well, and yeah, how to fight with it probably, but. Um, again, I mean, you could teach it like a, you know, like an external martial art. You could take each one of those 108 techniques and you could say, okay, well, here's how you use it as a, as a fighting technique. And sure. they're never, not too different from Shaolin. They look a lot the same. Right. Never mentioned that these were connected, but you're, you're, you'd be missing the thing that makes Tai Chi Tai Chi. I right. Think. And that's pretty much what he says. He says, the form is the foundation of push hands. After practicing it for a long time, you will become as heavy as a mountain and light as a feather. But if you neglect the form and only do Tui Show, eventually your body will become unstable and you can be pushed easily. I mean, I can tell I did push hands before I did Tai Chi. Huh. You know, I took a push hands class before I did any, I had done some other stuff, but I hadn't done the form. And it was like, oh yeah, you probably should learn the form because the context for how you do the form pushing hands and the applications is from the form so yeah it's more about it's a time it's like, saving yeah. device than it's well like the form gives you the foundation it makes you heavy it makes you fluid <clears throat> and it also has all the fighting techniques but in between those two things is push hands yeah basically it's funny the first thing i learned was the tai chi two-person form the 88 move form mm. Cause like I was 17 or whatever. And like the idea of doing a slow form, I was just like, what the fuck? No. But I did know that there was something about internal Chinese martial arts that looked dope. So I, I wanted to do it. Once I learned the 88 moves though, I was like, okay, now I want to do the form. Now I want to see the big thing, the whole thing. It right. got my attention. That was pretty cool. See, I did, I did, uh, Shingy in the short form for seven years. And then started the long form in Bagua. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you need something to hook you and get you into it. Because me and my buddy walked up and like, if it had just been a form class, we we were too full of energy. Like we couldn't have done that. Like, but when we saw the these crazy moves being exchanged and then the push hands 
and the Bagua Circle walking, I was like, dude, this is just what I want to do. Like, this is perfect. And then later I came to appreciate the form, even as a young person, you know, because I had some injuries and stuff. And once I started doing Tai Chi, I started seeing, oh, if I move my knee over my foot instead of like wobbling all over, I, I'll be better off. Like that'll help my knee feel better. And sure enough, yeah, it totally worked. So I became a real believer. Yeah, I but mean, I, I think I enjoy the Chingy Bagua more, though. I think from a health perspective, short forms and long forms, there's not much difference. You'll you'll get healthy, and from both, that the advantage of the long form is is, if you will, the longness of it that it requires you to keep your awareness yeah. going in that thing just for a, so it just makes you practice longer, basically. Yeah. But it also takes yeah. you through a wider repertoire of movements, yeah. which gives you a bigger sort of set of range of motion you know well a bigger range of motion but also a, a larger set of fighting applications yeah absolutely and so it's the basic push hands principles can be taught in the short form um that will get you all the pushing and stuff and some of the fighting stuff depending on the form right but if you want to talk about kicks grappling uh how to deal with people who are coming at you from different angles and multiple opponents and blah 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 that's all the stuff that's in the long form so so most of what you're going to get as you go through the long form is just with a lot of people it's just variations on a theme right you're just doing you know snake creeps down is a lower version of a single whip uh, repulse monkey is a backwards version of uh brush knee right right you have these movements that are you know that give you more whatever you know uh, physicality but uh yeah it, it you know it, it's really about fighting at that point because um if you just want to do push hands and or and get healthy something like the 37 24 range is plenty you don't need to but if you want to get the mind thing there's something about doing it for an hour and a half that you know makes it a little bit different he says next question someone said that one must still use force in tai chi is that true the classics say when the soft reaches its limit it becomes really strong Tai Chi strength arises internally and is based on suppleness and relaxation. The more you practice the supple, the more quickly you will gain Nei Jin, or internal strength. If you have tension someplace, it will prevent the accumulation of internal strength. When you relax, your arms will sink easily and become heavy. Otherwise, they will float. Those people who say you must use force usually have excess strength or practice with a hard style and won't give it up. They can't believe that at the limit of suppleness lies a different quality of strength. Such people never obtain the essence of Tai Chi. Yeah, I mean, basically the idea is if you never get to actually feel what softness is, you don't know what it is, so you can't say whether or not you're doing it. So He says the power comes at the extreme of softness, a different type. This internal strength is now uh, well, that's it's how, possible or whatever. That's how you get it, you know. I mean, the idea is that you have to relax to let the in, internal power come out, right? But... um this is why you need to do things like push hands and 
standing and negong because that's how you inform yourself of the things that you're not capable of doing right that um if you just run through the form by yourself you'll think you're the best at it there ever was because there's no test right and part of the thing is you got to test it and you know push against something and see what happens abs or or at least do the form in a way where if you're not doing it you're not going to be stable right the I, I mean the simplest idea is um do you actually shift your weight 100 percent before you pick your foot up or are you somewhere in the middle and when you pick your foot up you kind of roll your foot and there's a little bit of a weight shift or you do some kind of back and forth but that but that you have to that there's a you aren't all the way basically and and if you get the thing of being all the way all the time and you don't have this 60 40 thing your form and your body change in a dramatic way but if you never do it that way you can say well the 60 40 way works just as well because you don't have the experience of doing the other one, right? Right. The next question says this. Although a teacher uses the same method of teaching, some students' postures are good while others are poor. Why is this? He says a poor student is hard and uses force. A good one must be supple without force. So I think it means without Lee or uh, yeah, clumsy force. Overt force. Yeah. So he says, a goldsmith uses high temperature to melt gold so he can shape it as he wishes. An iron hammer can't shape the gold until it's first made soft. So if a teacher asks a student to use force to make his body hard, he can't expect the student postures to be good. Our force is just like iron. We must make it supple and train a long time. Then it will look soft but actually be strong. This is the internal strength of Tai Chi. So there you go. The suppleness keeps coming up as... Uh, Instead of hard force, you use supple force. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it once you get someone to feel what's actually blocked inside their body, there's usually this um, struggle session you have to go through because you know it's possible, you felt it, and then, but it's not there all the time, and so you're learning how to let go, and um, you know this is the never-ending part of tai chi is you always have something you can relax and release more right that that after it relaxes to the point of not being tense you know you can go deeper into where it's you know the 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 different layers of the energy bodies right so relaxing the physical body is simply just that's the opens the door right then you have the whole world of what's underneath your skin essentially but as long as you're tense, you can only you can't get through that door, and it's right. the hard you know it's the hardest part about doing this stuff. No, for sure, it's always going to block you. You know, so the the real reason why some people get it and some people don't is some people spend the time working on letting go, and other people just keep trying to push through it. And and I mean that I can tell you, it's I mean it sounds easy, but that's the whole thing, right? You run into a blockage you know whatever it is do you try to push through it and do a bigger you know movement or a more intense dissolving or whatever or do you just kind of hang back and start to let your mind seep into that thing and you know spend five months trying to get 
expect your body to go a half inch lower, right? That's a different approach, you know, and, and that's really this water and fire thing that Bruce is always talking about yeah. is, you know, you can um, make it happen or you can work to let it happen. And, and the second one, you know, like you just said, it's, you know, it takes longer. Think of how a sword is forged, right? First you heat it up, you know, it's a block of steel, you heat it up. It turns into liquid. Then you have the shape of the sword, but it's dull and dirty. And then you have to spend an enormous amount of time shaping the thing and, you know, getting an edge and all that, you know, and, it, and then you got to sharpen it you know, and then you got to polish it. And that's basically what doing Tai Chi is, is that's that continuous, you know, honing, sharpening, cleaning caring for that sword you know it's just the sword is your body you know and so. all in pursuit of suppleness and here he, he goes over a few other topics that are more about mechanics and stuff but then another one i thought was funny he says do tai chi kicks use force he says no they use jin a flexible energy not a hard force so that's a good question like you know we haven't talked about kicks per se that much but um, idea of Tai Chi kicking, you sort of their leg lifts and swings that uh, should use like, the same type of energy as the arms, right? I mean, yeah, it's the it's a simple way of saying, or maybe not a simple way of saying it's it's not a snap, right? You're not like snapping your leg when you kick mm -hmm. something that it's still using that principle of uh, you know, the string of pearls where opening it's, and closing, bending and flexing, all that same yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's got to extend out from your body. And, um, there's also a thing where in Tai Chi, your kicks first, it's your hip closing, then your knee comes up, then your foot goes out, right? Gives you that sort of whipping motion. So that again, it's the same as your arm, right? Um, yeah. So where you're not, you're, so you're not just like, picking your leg up like a stiff you know thing and snapping it at somebody yeah and i mean basically saying it should be the same way you do all the other movements the <laughs> kicks shouldn't change that but i have to admit you know, getting that feeling in your legs isn't quite the same it doesn't have let's just say your legs there's less stuff you can do with your legs it's much harder. and they're heavier <laughs> much harder right well, and you have to have the balance to do it i think that's the real thing that the form's great for that, of lifting those legs one after another. And, I mean, I'm thinking back to kicks. Like, I've kicked people before, and I can I differentiate the kicks I learned in Kung Fu from the ones I learned in Xing Yi from the ones I learned in Tai Chi, sort of. But I do remember early on my one of my first sparring matches, I grabbed the guys both his hands, and I did a crescent kick, the Tai Chi uh, outside crescent kick, you know, mm -hmm. the one where you use two yeah. hands up, and then, wham, I kicked him right in the ribs. And, like, it totally worked, just like the form showed it. You know, I was like, "Holy shit!" Well, because so part of that is when, on that. when you don't lean your body first, you're not telegraphing that you're about to kick. So True. Kind of comes out. Nowhere, yeah. It's like it's more like the Muay Thai thing where you the knee comes up real fast. You know, it's that same principle that if you were looking at me from from you know the belly up, it's like river right. dance or whatever that Irish yeah. dance thing is. True. You know, from, huh? From from the belly up, I'm not moving at all, and right. that that leg's coming up and kicking you in the face. It's a very yeah, that, that that kick quality. I you know a hard kick from anybody's going to hurt, no matter what martial arts style. But I think there's that there's a certain. It's like you mentioned that it's going to hurt more swings. if you don't see it coming. <laughs> like right? internal yeah. principles of the of the swings. 
that's the type of movement you want your leg to have with sort of that heavy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. swooping swinging effect rather than snapping like you were saying there's a like an elephant trunk <laughs> yeah the elephant trunk concept <laughs> so it's fluid it. nothing's more subtle supple than that but it's heavy as fuck if you just yeah. slapped it you've just dropped it from a height and slapped you it just knock you flat yeah, right exactly like so you get the full impact of the weight because it's loose in a way but also you could control it pretty well because you're not just launching it like a cannon shot you're there's a connectedness to it that suppleness that allows you to change it if you have to also or recover from a failure a little quicker too so i'd have to say internal martial arts kicking is pretty good stuff well and in the in the just to bring it to the form in the tai chi long form the kicks are the kicks but the thing that comes right after the kicks those are the throws Uh so there's this whole thing about kicks being the setup for the technique after the the kick and a I lot mean, you have of, to step towards them one way or the other you might as well kick right <laughs> well this i was just i was literally just gonna say <laughs> it's the bagua thing of a kick is a step a step is a kick right all right well that was really interesting i think the uh right. Taiwan is is one of those down to earth books yeah. more than the uh the classics right like this is more of just colloquial advice exactly he's giving you practical sort of practice advice Moving on to the uh, the Song of the Thirteen Postures um, from Baihua's book. So this is the next statement we've come to. It says, the introductory study of the Thirteen Postures must be dictated by a teacher. There is no end to the Gong Fu. The way to progress is self-study and to complete each step without rest. So that's from the classic. And Baihua explains it by saying, the master guides the student to the door, but the learning depends on the individual. Only when the individual has the experience of striving for perfection can he or she make a great leap forward in his thoughts and concepts and be able to relatively grasp the laws of space, energy, and time. Every movement must be consistent with the concept of Tai Chi, and then one can gradually understand that the truth of all methods is unified and all methods are empty. So that's an interesting one. Some of the other ones were much longer, but this one's... uh, you know, kind of straightforward. Basically, you need a teacher to to guide you and help you get through in the door. But then once you do have the teachings, you've got to self-study and do it yourself from there. So that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just basically, you know, the idea that you're not going to learn this by yourself. You're not going to learn it from a book. You got to get it from a person and they got to really give it to you. And then you got to take it and you know, it's your job once they give you the key to the door to really do the work. And that's why the thing about it, you know, it depends on the individual, right? That why are some people good and some people aren't? Well, it's it's the person, you know, it's not necessarily the quality of the instruction. I mean, if they're given the same instruction and one person gets it and one doesn't, I mean, what are you going to say? It's like, right. So he mentioned some here as space, energy, and time. And that's a theme that Baihua used throughout his discussion of Neigong, Neidan, Tai Chi. He's got like this, this understanding of space and of energy or chi and time, which he sometimes looks at as equals MC squared, kind of this the whole thing of how energy and matter are kind of the same thing at a one level or the other. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's tough though like <laughs> that's a much 
it's a deep understanding, right? To try and sort of use Tai Chi to understand how the function of the galaxy and the universe itself moves. Well, I mean, I think that the it's more about the self-study aspect of it, I think, that that you have to the space energy and time is the space inside of you the energy that's moving through you and the time it takes to fucking get this stuff you know it's like it's it's you know i mean yeah you can look at it in that sense but i mean really it comes down to you know these laws are about figuring out what's inside of you what's moving it and then you know it just takes a really long time to affecting work. it over time basically and and the last part is you know you when you finally um quote unquote get it what you're what you finally realize is it's all nothing right it's all emptiness it's all about letting go it's all about you know the 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 wuji right the letting Things happens, you know, without interference and all that, right? So the emptiness, the the whoop, right, the right? emptiness the, where it's it's not a nothing is fixed and and required <laughs> or whatever. Everything's spontaneous and free, and you can your martial art is well it's effortless. After, it's after you do Jing Chi and Shen, you arrive at Wu, right? You arrive at that emptiness that, and that's like you know in in bruce's stuff that's your seventh body that's your you know that's your individual who you really are blah 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 why am i here all that empty stuff. of all conditioning and social constructs and all mm-hmm. the bullshit that we go through in life emptiness means being empty of all that crap mm-hmm. but there's a fullness to be had there he says the truth of all methods is unified so like the truth is in there it's just it's covered up so you need the emptiness empty of the bullshit you've got truth basically yeah, and I th- I think the imp- implied is that first you have to grasp all of the you know it's for, it's the forest and the trees right first you have to get all the trees then you understand the forest right that until you understand how all these methods are one thing you're not going to get to that emptiness that that you have to somehow figure out you know the thirteen postures being one unified form if you will that all has to happen for you to reach these you know this this method of uh comprehending jing as he calls it quite a journey all right all right that's it for now okay talk to you soon see you soon Hey folks, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Just a quick reminder, uh, check out the Patreon for the extended episode. Uh, You can go to our Instagram for images to go along with the episodes. And we have a Facebook page as well. So check that out. All right, thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves and be well.